You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect diaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Balkan Bread Podcast. My name's Amina, and thank you guys so much for being here. So for today's episode, we are going to be talking about the highly requested topic of mental health, which is a very heavy subject, and it's not something that's really talked about a whole lot in our communities. Definitely, I would say the younger generation is a lot more open to talking about this but you know if we want to bring up depression or anxiety or just anything like that to our parents we might not always get the best reaction Um, a lot of times I think you know people just turn it into a joke and you know oh like there's nothing wrong with you you know you don't need to worry about that your life's so great why are you complaining kind of thing so wanted to take it a step further and you know really just dive into this issue that I think is like just you know it's something that's prevalent in our communities and it was made you know even more clear after um, we posted a survey which was actually helping with a research study so a lot of you guys filled it out um but it was for ethnic identity, perceived parental sacrifice, and psychological distress among Bosnian-American college students. So if you guys filled that out, thank you so much. And also thank you to Azra for just sharing that and also sharing a ton of resources with me for this episode since you know obviously this is something that she's pursuing and is very passionate about so i highly appreciate that a lot and i also want to say that i am by no means an expert in this subject so everything i'm about to talk about is either derived from numerous medical studies or personal experiences you know either my personal experiences that i've gone through or personal experiences that some of you have been so kind to share um, via email, which I have a couple of the emails. I'm going to keep everything anonymous just for the sake of privacy, but yeah, it was really incredible to hear a lot of the stories and a lot of the different situations that you know you guys were put in and have been through. So I think the biggest problem that we have right now, and this is something that Ezra really made clear to me too was that you know there is a huge lack of updated research on mental health and just on different disorders and things like that a lot of the research that was done was right after the war so you know I actually had to do a paper I remember I think it was my freshman year of college on PTSD and I was talking about PTSD in war traumatized um, Bosnian children and I remember a lot of the studies that I found were just you know either early 2000s or you know right after the war like 98 99 and I could not find anything that was 
after 2005, to be quite honest with you. So there really isn't a whole lot of information out there, which I think is probably a huge part of the problem. You know, if we don't have the research and the facts to back it up, then how are we supposed to you know, bring this to light and bring this to people and say, hey, this is actually a huge issue and this is something that we need to tackle. So going to talk about mental health specifically with um, diaspora, but then also within um, the entity of Bosnia and Herzegovina. So I have quite a bit of notes in front of me, so I'm just going to start talking and hopefully this is interesting and not like I don't even know I don't want this to be like I'm reading an essay or something but the first topic that I want to address is PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder so I think this term gets thrown around a lot and I think in general um you know Given all of the different experiences that a lot of our family members have gone through with the war, you know, I think, and this is just a generalization, of course, I cannot speak on behalf of, you know, every single person in the diaspora, but just in general, I think PTSD is probably a lot more common than we would think, and that a lot of people have at least the symptoms of it and maybe you know they don't even realize it or they realize it and they don't really want to come to terms with it just you know given everything that they've already gone through it's like why would you want to you know bring that upon yourself kind of thing so um i so i found a quote that was interesting and it kind of summed everything up so talking about Um, you know, just living through the war. So the quote says, there's no such thing as getting used to combat. Each moment of combat imposes a strain so great that men will break down in direct relation to the intensity and duration of their exposure. Thus, psychiatric casualties are as inevitable as gunshot and shrapnel wounds in warfare. And that was by Judith Herman. Um, in the book Trauma and Recovery, The Aftermath of Violence. So I think this is so true and just something that, you know, it's like if you've experienced or witnessed those things, then it's not really something that you're going to be able to just kind of wipe from your memory no matter how hard you try. You're always going to have that, which really sucks. But, you know, at the same time, there are ways to kind of deal with it, I guess. Um, Anyway, so in general, people with PTSD are frequently marginalized, um, which is very true. And it's actually, it's a fairly, like, relatively new um, disorder. So in 1980, it was first included in the diagnostic manual by... Um, the American Psychiatric Association, and prior to this, it actually had different names in the past, such as hysteria, which sounds awful. Um, I don't think anyone would want to say that they had that, but yeah, so it's a fairly new thing, and this really reminds me of the episode where we were talking about dealing with loss and how um, grief is something that is like not even um not been diagnosed i'm like looking for the wrong word but 
Anyway, it's something that is relatively new and there is no, you know, exact cure or exact medicine that you could take to basically um, cure it. So it's relatively new. Um, Another important thing to note is that though almost everyone in Bosnia and Herzegovina experienced a traumatic event, they did not all develop PTSD. So kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, um, you know, everyone more than likely witnessed something very tragic and, you know, traumatic kind of experience. Um, maybe, maybe people didn't if they left, obviously, like right before the war or something like that. But um, there is a chance that they may have not developed it. It's definitely more common um, with combat veterans. But at the same time, it can also be just as common in civilians or, you know, women who survived rape or sexual abuse or, you know, death of a loved one during the war kind of thing. So, but the most important predictor of PTSD, and this is something that I remember writing about in my paper too, um, the most important predictor of PTSD was witnessing atrocity. So you had to physically see something like awful happen um that was kind of the main indicator so really interesting um but yeah the reason that i wanted to talk about this is because i think it's really common especially in you know a lot of like the men in our families especially those that either were in combat or in concentration camps or both um you know it's something that they probably deal with but they don't want to come to terms with kind of thing and i'm not trying to put anybody out on the spot i'm just like simply giving the facts and saying that you know hey it is something that is really hard to talk about and you know you shouldn't feel bad about you know having gone through these experiences especially when a lot of these things were so out of your control anyway so going into i guess just like symptoms there's a whole lot of research out there obviously but the three main categories that i found were hyper arousal which is the persistent expectation of danger so this can be things like when you get startled easily you're not sleeping very well or just being irritable to a lot of small things so it's like the smallest noise you could suddenly think that you know something 10 times worse was happening kind of thing. Um, The next category is intrusion, which is the undeniable imprint of the traumatic moment. So the most common examples of these are flashbacks and dreams, which is quite interesting because this is something that I didn't really know, um, or I guess you could say nightmares could also fall into this. Um, But... I do remember hearing just like from other family members and just like in the past before from other people that a lot of them have had dreams where they were back in Bosnia during the war. So I'm sure, well, not everyone's parents obviously talk about these kinds of things, you know, with their kids and stuff, but I think it's super common and, you know, it's something that is kind of like a lasting imprint of it. So it's a lasting thing where it's like, you live through it, you can't really get rid of it, and it's just something that kind of happens to you. So the very last category is called constriction, which is also sometimes called avoidance. So 
it tends to affect the way that this person relates to other people, which can talk about that a lot more in the episode when, especially when I get to stigmas and things like that. So, you know, these are things like people who are avoiding uh, close personal relationships, they're unable to feel emotions, um, lack of affection, and of course there are all kinds of other symptoms, you know, being anxious, fear, panic, sadness, depression, hostility, all these kinds of things. But when I read this, you know, just hearing that word avoidance, I think that rings very true because nobody talks about this. Like literally nobody, I, I don't think, especially men, Um, And I think our culture too, just because we, you know, do come from such a patriarchal culture, it's a lot harder to talk about this. You know, the man isn't supposed to be the weak one. Like he's not supposed to have, you know, all these feelings and all of these, you know, thoughts and emotions, but, you know, they do. And a lot of them don't want to admit it. Um, But I think even, even if you're not wanting to you know, talk to a family member about it, you know, just talking, going out there and talking to someone else, whether that be in the form of a therapist or, you know, calling like a hotline or something to where, you know, you are not just ignoring it. I think that's the most important thing. And I don't think people should feel bad or guilty or, you know like something is really wrong with them just because they're going to see a therapist. I think that's so wrong, but anyway, that's my personal my personal thoughts on that. So it's kind of a synopsis on PTSD and I did get an email from someone. Um this is a really interesting topic and I would like to hear your guys's thoughts on this i honestly couldn't find research on this at all so if anyone wants to do a study on this that would be pretty cool but um anyway the email i'll just read a snippet says many older balkan people in parentheses mostly men are heavy drinkers but how much of that is directly due to what they've experienced during the yugoslav wars so like i said i could not find a lot of information on this but i think just answering from my perspective a lot of it probably is due to the war but then again it's like you have to take into account okay were these men in combat you know what kinds of things did they actually see happen and also what other events kind of took place in their lives that could really affect um their mental state so I thought that was pretty interesting. As far as the current situation in Bosnia and Herzegovina, so you have to remember that many of the health institutions that were in former Yugoslavia got destroyed during the war. So talking about rebuilding, um, so we have these things called CMHCs, which are community mental health centers which is great. I think, okay, you know, here's a step forward in the sign of you know, progress and things like that. But obviously we all know the situation in the Balkans isn't the greatest right now, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but just there is a lack of professionals. There is a lack of funding. And the most important thing that we're lacking is education on this topic. It's literally one of those things that is just swept under the rug. 
nobody wants to deal with it. And gosh, it's really, really frustrating, you know, especially when you are trying to raise the next generation and it's like they don't even have an understanding on these mental health things that, you know, their parents dealt with and things like that. There's actually a really good documentary that you guys should totally watch. It's on, I think I found it on Amazon Prime. Um, let me see what it's called. It's called Uspomene She Sedam Sedam. And it follows, I think it follows three different um, people in Bosnia. Sorry, I'm just reading here. Yes, so basically talking about you know their relationship with their parents and what had happened during the war and kind of how it's affected them in present day very very interesting so i'll try to link um link it in the podcast notes so that way you guys have a chance to watch it it's definitely a bit of a heavier (laughs) documentary but i do think you know if you're looking for something a little bit different to watch definitely go check that out Another huge thing while we're on this, I feel like I'm just ranting here with (laughs) how there's no progress and change, but there is no national action plan to deal with PTSD, yet it is something that is literally affecting the country as a whole in so many different ways. So it's kind of a synopsis of the situation. And I'm sure, like I'm positive there are other, you know, smaller initiatives and efforts to really tackle this issue head on but in general there isn't a lot that is being done so it's important to take into note and i think there is a huge opportunity there so okay so that is literally literally so many facts i feel like i just threw out at you guys um going on into breaking the stigma so how can we break this stigma of mental health and is it something that can even be broken in our communities so you know openly saying that you are suffering and i also want this to be i know i talked a lot about you know just like ptsd and dealing with the war but you know let's not even go there let's talk also about just different experiences you know that have shaped us here in the united states or wherever you're living while you're listening to this podcast so you know talking about going through you know i don't even know just like if you're going through different like family issues or just anything that has been thrown your way in life you know also your mental health with those topics so i don't want this to just be you know talking about the war and all that kind of stuff, but also things that you've been through personally and are having a hard time maybe talking about it or finding someone to talk to about it just because of, you know, our culture and just kind of the mentality um, of what we've been through. So yes, talking about the stigma and can we break it? So backtracking a little bit, I think we should talk about why there even is a stigma with this. So obviously our culture but you know why exactly why is it that way and i think a huge reason is that you know our parents they went through so much to get here and you know so many different things that they probably saw that they're probably not even ever going to tell us about and you know you're here you have a good life and then it's like 
oh, but, you know, I'm struggling with this. And it's like, you know, why are you, I'm just talking from the mentality of like, I guess, older generations, you know, why are you even complaining? Like you have such a great life. You know, I don't understand blah, 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 all this stuff. So I think that's something that a lot of us deal with. And that's probably why, you know, most people don't go to their parents when they want to talk about that, which is understandable. So there's a lot of different ways to deal with it, which we'll also talk about. But yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons. And I want you to know that, you know, despite all of that, and it's like, yes, we know we have a great life and we know that we are so grateful and so lucky to even be here. I'm so lucky to even be sitting here recording this podcast. And, you know, if you're even able to listen to this, you're lucky too. So But I also don't want you guys to feel guilty about, you know, having whatever kind of mental health issue it is. I don't think you should. I think it's prevalent in, you know, and you see people who are raised completely differently, who, you know, they never had to worry about money or about making it or whatever, where they were going to sleep that night and stuff like that. And they're still unhappy. So anyway, don't worry about that. I think your feelings are completely valid and you should never feel guilty for, you know, having, you know, dealing with anxiety or depression or whatever it might be. Because yes, while we have that part of our life, we also have, you know, this other chapter that we've built here wherever we're living. And we kind of have to recognize that, hey, like, it's okay. It's okay, I guess, not to be okay. That's something I always see and something that was really reiterated in a lot of the emails that I was getting with you guys. So anyway, um, yeah, talking about stigma. Can we break the stigma? I'm not entirely sure if it can be broken. I think it depends on the context and it depends on whether we're talking about, you know, all the generations together or where whether we're talking about just the younger generation. I think if we're talking about the younger generation, then yes, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of us are open-minded talking about this. The fact that, you know, this episode even came to be, you know, clearly it's something that we care about and we want to have these conversations but for the older generation, I don't know, you know, it's it's a lot difficult because they've been through different experiences and different things. So it's like, how are you going to shift, you know, their perception of it and things like that? A lot of the questions that I was getting were, how do you talk about this or how do you even bring this up within, you know, your communities and within your family even because, it just depends, you know, some family members might make fun of you if you openly say that you are going to see a therapist, which by no means do you even have to share that information with anybody. But at the same time, you know, it's something that could very well happen. Or, you know, family members might say, okay, I don't understand. You're paying to have someone, um, you know, listen to you talk about your problems. Why are you paying someone to do that when, you know, you could just tell us what you're going through? And it's like, okay, well, the reason that I do that is because, you know, it's obviously a third party. It's someone who is going to listen to everything that I'm saying and, you know, not make all of these judgments and like preconceived notions after I'm talking and turn everything into a joke. You know, I think that's the reason why a lot of people 
go to a therapist, you know, of course. And I'm not saying like, don't lean on your friends and don't lean on, you know, people and don't be afraid to open up about these topics, but, you know, take this with a grain of salt. And I think everyone knows their families, you know, better than I do. So it really just depends. And you might have that one family member that you can really confide in versus, you know, the rest of your family are like, there's absolutely no way that I would be able to talk about this. So I think that's something that is really, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say on this. You know, how can we start the conversation and, you know, make sure that people aren't afraid to open up about, um, you know, this topic. I think it's really, really interesting. And this is such a hard topic and thing to talk about. So, um, yeah, I feel bad because I feel like I don't have all the answers that, you know, you guys are asking me for, and it's hard to even have the answers. And another quote that I came across in a study was this, and it says, at home, children are more often exposed not to their parents' stories about the war, but to their behavior, body language, disabilities, an anxiety-loaded silence with regards to war-related situations. Children, therefore, reconstruct their parents' war experience with the help of their own imagination and dependent on their already internalized knowledge about wars, enemies, heroic death, or battlefields. So a lot of our parents don't openly talk about exactly what they went through or they might but it's on a very rare occasion and it's usually unexpected when that kind of you know those kinds of stories start to come out but at the same time they can show it in other ways and yeah it's really interesting it's like especially reading like anxiety loaded silence totally have felt that <laughs> before and just different things like oh gosh it's crazy crazy to think about but I think it also has definitely a reason as to why you know our parents act a certain way and things like that so also brought up this topic of transgenerational trauma so you know can this be passed down is it something that you know, even though I didn't directly experience a traumatic event, but, you know, one of my family members did, is it still something that I could have, you know, side effects and things, you know, um, in my life as a result of that, which is really interesting. So obviously it depends a lot, especially with, you know, whatever your family member went through and things like that. Um, something that I found were, let's see, what is it called? It's this article talking about just in general on, um, so it's called the transgenerational impact of PTSD on the military family. And the reason I'm referencing this is just because a lot of, like I said, a lot of the men in our family were like in combat of some kind. So, um, the three ends of transgenerational trauma transmission. <laughs> that is a mouthful. So the first one is called nature. So this is just referring to, you know, trauma affecting the whole person. So it not only affects your mental state, it can also affect your body and um, your psychiatric state as well. 
The next one is nurture, which is the learned behaviors and psychological symptoms of the survivor and how they impact loved ones. So this is going back to where we're talking about, you know, why people act a certain way or, you know, what kinds of, they're not sharing their stories, you know, verbatim, but at the same time, they're acting a certain way. And, you know, within those different actions and different things that they show, it's because of a lot of different things that have built up inside them that they haven't been able to let out. And then the last one is called narrative. So while the singular trauma survivor may not share all of his or her experience, even the unspoken may have an impact on future generations by way of oral pass down. So even though they don't talk about it, it could still affect you is essentially what, you know, this study is saying. And it kind of goes into talking about how there are so many different factors to it. But general consensus, you know, yes, it can be passed down. Obviously, it's probably not going to um, affect you as much as that person who actually witnessed that really traumatic event. But at the same time, it could totally have an effect on who you are as a person, which is so interesting, honestly, like that's crazy to me. And it's a perfect segue into another email that I got. So this person says that I learned this in one lecture and that is sometimes we carry secondhand trauma from our parents because of everything that they went through and never got the help for it which I believe with our diaspora is super true and we definitely have never been given the ability to combat that trauma like we are the children who have to start everything almost on our own, translate, do this and that, but never get help for it. So yeah, I mean everything in there is true and I think a lot of us do carry a lot of that, you know, secondhand effects and But at the same time, you can't really blame your parents or whoever it might be for not getting that help or, you know, it's like, do they even have the opportunity to do that? It's like, no, by the time you got to this country or got to wherever you're at, you know, you were just concerned with survival. You weren't thinking about all of the different things that you had just witnessed. You were just focused on trying to get back up on your feet again and, you know, start a new life. So I think that could partly be the reason why a lot of these, you know, issues and all of this trauma was just kind of left to sit within that person, like literally. Yeah, that's insane. That's really crazy to think about. So yeah, and another thing too is, um, you know, when people talk about the war or just the reason certain parents act the way that they do and i'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus i am literally just stating what i've heard from people and their relationship with their parents so i know some parents are very particular on what groups their kids hang out with so and when i say groups i mean like nationalities and so it's like you know just sticking to one nationality, not hanging out with others, which obviously I personally don't agree with, but you know, given everything that's happened, that is just how it is for some people. And I'm not judging anyone because of it. I'm just saying like, that's literally how it is. So, and then you have other families that 
are a lot more open to, you know, different nationalities and, you know, they're, I guess, more concerned with the human and the person than they are with, you know, where they happen to come from. And I think your parents' perception on, you know, these different nationalities, that can definitely be passed down onto you and onto your siblings. And I think this is why some Balkan people are afraid to mix, you know, whether that's in a social setting or with your romantic relationships, like we always talk about on dating diaspora, it's definitely true. But at the same time, you know, the truth is that it's a culture, it's a nationality that you are born into and you can't change that. And I hate that people get crap for being a certain nationality and it's like okay i didn't choose this this is this is how i was born you know i was born into this like i can't just switch nationalities and switch who i am which is sad because then you know certain people get a bad rep just because of someone from a particular nationality that did something you know really really awful and something that we should never forget but at the same time it's like making all those people within that nationality look really bad and that's not something that we want going forward but you know, we also need to respect our parents and we have to recognize the fact that, you know, we can't just sit there and try to convince them. And And I'm coming from this perspective, like, let's say if your parents are a little more closed-minded and, you know, they don't want you hanging out with a different nationality or something, whatever. So it's like, given what they've been through, because everyone's been through something drastically different, you can't just sit down with your mom or your dad and try to convince them that, hey, all these people aren't bad and they just kind of look at you like, do you even understand, you know, what I witnessed or what I went through? Like, you can't just go around saying that. So, you know, I think it's our responsibility to have that respect, but also to recognize that, you know, maybe we're not going to be able to 100% change their perception on things, um, which... I feel like it's sad to say, but I think it's true Um, just because everyone's been through such different things and it's like, given what you've been through, you're going to have these preconceived notions and you're going to have these things passed on to you. Um, But yeah, anyway, I guess that kind of goes into another topic, but yeah, I just hate when people get a bad rap for their nationality and it's like, Of course, I will say there is one caveat to that, and that's like, let's just say this person is like, um, I don't know, posting things that are glorifying individuals that don't necessarily need to be glorified um, at all, given what they've done. I'm just talking about someone who, you know, that is just something that's a part of them, and they are not someone who is going around saying bad things about other nationalities you know, like, no, that's literally just part of who they are. And it's like, it frustrates me that, you know, some people, I think if you don't like someone of a certain nationality, it stems more from who they are as a person rather than, you know, what they were born into. Like, that's just that, of course, what they're born into has an effect, but gosh, this is getting so complicated now as I'm talking about this, but I hope you guys understand where I'm going with that. And, think it's important to 
sit down and really listen to everyone's perspective and point of view because we've all been shaped by such different experiences and you know i was always raised on the notion that you need to hear everyone out and you know everyone like i said has been through their own things but i was raised on the notion to just love everyone and accept everyone because you know that's just how I was raised and I think given like things that my family has gone through and people that have helped us in the past before you know not all of them have been Bosnian you know and that's okay like that's literally why I feel like I started this brand is to have these conversations and yeah I think it's so important okay now I'm just like rambling I apologize so yeah those were the main points that I really wanted to hit oh before i forget um yeah i guess we can talk about therapy so therapy super exciting um yeah so i openly talked about this i think on the lost podcast and it's like i think before i recorded that i hadn't actually started going to therapy but then afterwards i'd had and so it's definitely been such a good thing and you don't need to like people don't need to look at people who go to therapy as something is wrong with them like oh my goodness I literally that makes me so angry sometimes you just need to sit down and you know no matter how perfect people think your life is you just need to sit down and tell someone what's actually going on and what you're actually feeling and literally you will feel so much better at the end of that I guarantee you it is not the easiest thing to do it is not easy to you know, sit with this complete stranger, especially I remember like the first few appointments, I mean, it was terrible, like just crying and going through all these different emotions and just because the first time you go, I think is always the hardest because obviously they don't really know much about you. So you kind of have to lay down the law, tell them literally everything and it can be draining. It can be so exhausting and But at the same time, I think that is what's going to get you a lot further and it's going to get you so much further tackling it head on versus letting this just like kind of boil up inside you and start to take over other aspects of your life. It shouldn't be like that at all. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think if you want to go to therapy, like go to freaking therapy. Who cares what other people are going to say? You don't even have to tell anyone you are going. You know, this is just something that you are doing for yourself. It's nobody else's business other than yours. So I would say just do it, honestly. There is nothing wrong with it. And like I said, talking to your friends is always good too. But it, sometimes you just need someone who is like a neutral kind of, like I said, third party, just sits there, listens to you, and that's that. So anyway, that's my thoughts on therapy. And I also think too, another thing to mention is that you might have to, the first therapist that you stumble upon, you know, it might not be the best fit. You might have to go see a couple other people until you feel comfortable enough with someone to where you can just sit down and share everything with them so like i said it can be emotionally draining and exhausting but you know it's really important and it's something that you know do it for yourself you don't have to expect your parents or other family members to understand it or go with you and if you want to share that you're going then share that you're going and but at the same time also of course 
you know, be prepared to get all kinds of comments and things like that if, you know, your family is like, oh my god, that's like... So be prepared for that, but at the same time, don't feel bad about it at all. And, you know, when we're bringing things like this up, I think it's almost like we need to do it in a more casual way because the moment you like drop, you know, certain words around, people are just going to start going crazy. So maybe that's a way to deal with it. Maybe it's just like having these conversations is the first step, but sliding it into other conversations and you know, actually getting people's thoughts and opinions on it, which is hard because like I said, some people aren't going to want to talk about it at all. So yeah, it's hard. You can't force anyone to share what they've been through. But at the same time, I think you can inspire people. You can inspire people to, you know, want to talk about it or want to get help. So it's like, if you're that person that, you know, goes out in front of all your friends or even whatever family members and it's like, hey, yeah, like I go to therapy you know, who cares? Like, let's talk about it. And I think it's like literally almost become, it's such a common thing, more common than you would even realize that people have therapists, you know, even people who aren't diaspora and don't have all of this like emotional baggage and stuff. So anyway, yeah, be someone's inspiration. Just, just go out there and do that. And so obviously I know not everyone is going to have you know, the resources or ability to go to therapy. Um, But I do think it's important to share these different helplines, which I will actually have all of these within the podcast notes. So um, these are just different numbers that you guys can call, um, you know, if you do need help. So some of the ones I'll have down below, I'm not going to sit here and read all of them off, but there's the National Alliance on Mental Illness Helpline, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. There's a lot of different ones. So, you know, even if you don't want to go and tell someone what you're going through, please, I encourage you to, you know, just go to one of these numbers or share this with someone who could probably use it. Um, Another thing I wanted to add to is like, it's more common than you realize that people are going through this. So that is going to be it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for sitting here and listening through this. I'm sure it wasn't easy because this is such a heavy topic and I am going to say it. I definitely don't have all of the answers you know, for this topic and we could even do a part two, you know, and my intention before was to like bring experts on the episode and really like dive like head on with these topics, but that is a lot. And I, I just want you guys to know I'm only one woman and there's only so much that I can do, you know, with podcast and with managing the clothes and, you know, all these other things. Um, it's still something that I really want to do, but the point of this first episode was to just open before to having these conversations and I think just for the fact of recording that perfect like this is exactly what we needed and we need to kickstart these conversations so I really hope that this was helpful and I really tried to come from a place where like I said I'm not an expert on this at all but this is what I've researched, this is what I've found, and I would love to hear what you guys have to say on this topic. 
So if you are interested in being featured on an upcoming episode or you know someone that is interested, has a really cool story, you can send an email to hello, just the word hello, at balkanbread.com with the subject line podcast. So that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening and I will talk to you guys in the next one. Bye guys.